Welcome to Guarding Your Nest Egg. Podcast. Many of us take advantage of shopping for the best holiday deals. Black Friday deals for days. Black Friday, Black Friday. This weekend only, save on TVs, electronics. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Do you brave the crowds to find the best deals? <laughs> it's been a while since I've, I've done that. I was at the hardware store, you know, so whether it was, um, you know, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's or whatever, but I, you know, Chris and I have, I have too many shop vacs. That, um, <laughs> but when there's a good sale on one, the, I mean, yeah, a good, a good deal on a ladder shop mm-hmm, vac. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal to me. But TVs this was a and while stuff, ago. I mean, you know, I'm not going to wait in line no. uh, forever for a TV. I mean, they're kind of inexpensive, um, depending on what you're looking for, year-round. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're, you're patient. I've never understood the people that camp out in front of the right. store, you know, for days before so they can be the first one in. Um, you know, I've never been a fan of that, but I'm especially not now. I mean, in recent years, we've seen viral videos of people trampling each other to get a discounted TV. And mm-hmm. gosh, after that whole concert thing a while back, that's just terrifying. So no, maybe the Cyber Monday or something I might participate in, but I'm not getting out and about in those crowds. Yeah. And if you think <laughs> about it, I mean, obviously with Amazon and everything else mm-hmm. and just, just buying online, these retail stores are struggling. I mean, they got to come up with something, but um, I don't enjoy that. That's not fun. And there's different deals to be had on different days. It's not just about Black Friday, but it's interesting that people will stand in long lines or get up extra early to save a couple hundred dollars on a big screen TV or something for the grandkids. But man, what a difference it could make if someone took that same time and energy to figure out how to save on things like fees, taxes and other things inside of their investment portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. For most people, that's going to add up to a lot more than saving a couple hundred dollars. I mean, instead of saving a couple hundred dollars on a, on a television, um, you could be saving literally hundreds of dollars a month in fees. And we, we see this quite a bit. A lot of people that are invested, whether it's through their 401k, another retirement plan at work, whether it's uh, through another advisor, through no fault of their own, sometimes they're paying a lot more in fees than they realize. And the reason that they don't realize is maybe that the source of those investments, they're not telling them about it or they aren't illustrating it in a way that's easy enough to, to comprehend. I mean, for a lot of these investments, the way that the companies get around it is they just hand you a bunch of paperwork mm. and say, well, hey, sign here. And somewhere in that fine print is the fee. Or if you're invested in uh, a particular mutual fund, or ETF exchange-traded fund, then they're sending you a prospectus. And somewhere buried in that prospectus is what it's actually costing you to own the investment. But it's not not uncommon for people not to take the time uh, to dig in there. And even if you did dig into it, it's pretty confusing mm-hmm. stuff. So one of the things that we really like to do when it comes to just sitting down with individuals and families and helping them invest is we want to identify how much they're currently paying in fees and then find out if the reward from those fees is adequate. It's not necessarily bad to pay fees on an investment. Most investments are going to have fees, but you have to ask yourself, what are you getting for that? So if I showed somebody two investments and let's say before fees, the average rate of return on both investments was 8% per year. Hmm. In general, a lot of people would be happy averaging 8% uh, on an investment, depending on how much risk they were taking. Um, But one investment had fees of 2% and the other investment had fees of 1%. Well, clearly you would pick the one with 1% if it was the same average rate of return. So that's a very simplified example. If that's not being disclosed to you in a way that's easy for you to access, 
then a lot of times you're paying more in fees than you need to be paying. So essentially when we're doing analysis of investments, we're looking at several things. One of the big things is going to be fees. So what are the fees on the current investments that you have? What are then the returns on the current investments that you have net of fees? And how much risk are you taking to get those returns? Those three things are extremely important because then when we go and compare it to other investment options, if we can reduce fees, it's going to be very significant over time and helpful. If we can increase returns, whether it's through reducing fees and performance, that would be good. And then also for reducing risk. Kristen, if you take a look at our clients, they're all individuals that are retired or very close to it. So those three things are going to be very, very important. And fees are a big component. We have to understand how much we're paying. Once we understand how much we're paying in fees, have to understand, well, what am I getting in return for that fee? And then compare it to the other investment options that are available to you. For a few years now, there's been a sale of sorts on tax rates, thanks to President Trump. Do you see that sale coming to an end anytime soon, Mike, based on the latest tax debate on Capitol Hill? Yes and no, Kristen. I think that uh, it's certainly front of mind for most people because it's being talked about a lot. And um, if you look at all of the spending and you try to figure out, well, you know, how is the government going to pay for all of the stimulus or the additional programs the current administration wants to dump on us and then we have to pay for? What they're telling us is if you make over a certain amount of money, you've got a target on your back and they're coming after you to pay for it. If you look at the numbers, there's, I mean, Kristen, you know, I know, and I think most reasonable people understand that there aren't enough people with that much money to tax to pay right. for what they're doing. So, so eventually he is coming after all of us on this. And so, yeah, Kristen, it, it, it has to be paid for in some way. Uh, most likely it winds up getting paid for through taxes. And then we have to take into consideration, how are we going to address that? Now, in retirement, there's, there's different ways to address it because people have different sources of income in retirement. So for most people in retirement, they're going to have Social Security. So depending on your income, not necessarily all of your Social Security is going to be taxed. So for some people, if their income is low enough, again, doesn't mean that they don't have investments, but if their expenses are low enough, they can get their income low enough where in some cases you don't pay any taxes on Social Security. Hmm. You get to a certain level, then you're paying taxes on the 50% of your Social Security. And then if you peg the meter, you know, hit the limit, um, you're going to pay taxes on 85% of your Social Security. And people go, well, that's crazy. I mean, I this is money I put in and then they're sending it back to me and then I'm getting taxed on it. And yes, you're getting taxed on Social Security and it stinks, but that's going to happen. Then if you take a look at pension income, so I work with a lot of people that work for corporations that have pensions. So you've got the Social Security income, then you've got a pension income. We work with a lot of people that have income from um, real estate or farmland. That's a big source of income for mm-hmm. a lot of retirees. But when you put all of this together, you have to ask yourself, what tax bracket am I getting into? And uh, do I have a target on my back? Uh, this is why we talked about a little bit earlier. People are concerned about things like IRA accounts, 401k accounts, because when that money gets distributed to you, either because you need to use it for income or either because um, you're required to take a minimum distribution, the RMD or required minimum distribution. If you're in that situation, it, it's a forced income that you're paying tax on and it's taxed as ordinary income. So in other words, it's, it's taxed at the, at the highest rate. All of these things come into play when it comes to taxes, and it's a big part of our financial planning process. We want to make sure our clients are, are, are certainly paying their fair share, but not more than they need to pay. And if you're going to 
put together a, a complete financial plan. It's not just the underlying investments that people have. Um, certainly performance in the underlying investments is extremely important. Fees are important. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. The amount of risk you're taking to get that uh, those returns is important. But then how is the money distributed to you when it comes to income and how are you taxed? Because you can make money on the front end with investments, but you can lose it on the back end when it comes to taxation. So financial planning is important, but Kristen, we do a lot of tax planning for clients and we do a lot of income planning for clients. You have the income, where is it coming from? What type of an account? Is it a joint account? Is it an IRA account? Is it a 401k account? What about Roth accounts? Efficiency in all of those areas is going to help people be more successful in retirement. You know, this time of year, there are so many things to be distracted by, but it's important that we stay focused on things that affect our bottom line, especially as we start to wrap up the end of the year. CNBC's Jim Cramer recently revealed what types of investments he believes are going to do well in the market through the rest of 2021. At the top, the number one theme is the automobile of the future. They got nothing to do with the Fed. They won't be buffeted by higher interest rates that can hurt housing, but electric vehicles. Oh, my EV, advanced drive, ah, ADAS, whoa. These themes aren't going anywhere but higher other industries have to worry about Washington, but this is one of the groups that could get subsidies if President Biden can pass his big spending bill because electric cars are better for the environment. Obviously, Tesla's the most straightforward way to play it. I mean, like you need me. I, can we rename the show The Tesla Show? I mean, geez, I think it double. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Semi has solidified his place as the must-buy chip maker in the auto industry. I also like NXP Semi. I had to look up a lot of what he was talking about because he's talking about <laughs> super technical things. I'm going to get out in yes. front of that message. Mm-hmm. But electric vehicles, cloud computing, and the metaverse are, mm. in his opinion, going to be strong performers throughout the end of the year. Yeah, well, for starters, uh, end of the year is coming up really quick. So to make a prediction throughout the end of the year, it's not that bold, I guess. It's not that bold, you know, or less than two months to the end of the year. And I think that, um, I mean, electric vehicles, I, it's a little obvious given mm-hmm. fuel prices that people are struggling with. Maybe that does great. But I, I, most of the people that we're talking to on a weekly basis, and certainly our clients, are more concerned with uh, not so much at the end of this year, but they're concerned about 2022. Uh, we're having conversations uh, week after week about what about the cost of fuel? What about Uh, the current administration's approval ratings, right, which are really low. What about China? What if China goes into Taiwan? I mean, just all of these what ifs, there's a lot of concern. So what we're spending a lot of time doing right now is just helping our clients and then coaching people that are calling on probability. So what is the probability that markets do well, not just through the end of the year, but what's the probability that markets do well next year, given everything that's going on? And if you take a look at your current situation and you let's say that you're sitting on a 401k and you're getting close to retirement let's say you're either going to retire in a month or two or you're just a couple years out from retirement and you're feeling pretty good about the values because markets have been doing pretty well and you're trying to forecast for yourself what's likely to happen next year well mm-hmm. i would uh, point out a few things one being certainly inflation but then what's causing the inflation now that's a concern we have supply chain issues Everybody knows about that. We hear about it in the news all the time. But what I'm most concerned about is people not going back to work. So Mm -hmm. there was this anticipation that obviously the government would um, provide all the stimulus, which they did. And then people went out and they spent that money. And that money that was spent in the economy back in the third quarter of 2021, those results are being reported now in the fourth quarter. So as those results are reported, it looks like companies are doing very well. But what we haven't seen is 
what does the fourth quarter look like? Because hmm. uh, that won't be reported until the first quarter of next year. Right. And what I suspect is probably not real good because the stimulus ended back in September and most of the money was spent. So people aren't, I don't think they're out there spending it now. Uh, we're getting numbers on the number of uh, people that are going back to work. And that's not as high as we want it to be. We're getting numbers on the amount of people that are quitting, which isn't great. And those are uh, high. Jobs, very, very high. If you forecast what's likely to happen next year, in my opinion, it doesn't look very good. It's just mm. not a rosy picture. So going back to your portfolio, if you're invested in the stock market, you have to ask yourself, do I want to stay committed to my current plan? If my current plan or investments are related to stocks because if i'm betting on stocks doing well what's the probability of them doing well next year i don't think it's that good Kristen, but i do think we need to take some time to do an analysis of our current portfolio and what we're doing for our clients is we're saying you know what it's been a really good run probability of markets doing well next year currently we don't think that's very high for a lot of different reasons and so particularly if you have something like a 401k account, an IRA account, a Roth account, any account where you can make changes to your underlying investments without those changes being taxable to you, we can move from stock positions to other positions within um, those retirement accounts, and it's not a taxable event to do so. Okay. I would just say, why not take a step back, get more conservative moving into the first part of next year? and have a little bit of a wait and see attitude. It's been really, really good up to this point. If you're close to retirement, why risk it? And so with our portfolios, we're gonna take a step back. We're gonna have a, like I said, wait and see attitude, kind of watch from the sidelines. Uh, we suspect that markets aren't going to do well. If that turns out to be the case, we're gonna find ways to benefit from a bad market in portfolios. Hmm. Uh, if it turns out that markets do well, well then we can get back into markets and participate. But at this point, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to risk it. It sounds like it's all about active wealth management, having an advisor that is actively paying attention to these indicators and knows you and your goals listening today. You can find out more about that planning by checking out guardingyournestegg.com. Mike, we've been hearing from some of our listeners who've had a great year financially could be because they got a raise or bonus for working so hard, or some of them sold a home or business. And for some, they've never seen their investment accounts this high, because as you're talking about concerns of next year with Wall Street, I think it's because Wall Street's been doing so well for so long. And, and yes, yeah, some of this is great news, but we all know that sometimes a high income year could also mean a higher tax bill in April. Like anything we can do to reduce that tax bill before the end of the year? Everyone's talking about Roth conversions. Is that the answer? A Roth conversion, first of all, isn't going to uh, reduce your tax bill end of this year because if you make the conversion, you're paying uh, tax on the conversion. One of the things that we want people to take a look at moving into the end of the year is going to be, well, so what does that December 31st deadline mean when it comes to your investments and taxes? If you're looking to make contributions to IRAs or Roth IRAs, that kind of a thing, the uh, December 31st deadline doesn't apply to you because you can do it through the middle of April the next year. But if you're looking at what you're actually going to be taxed on, you want to make sure that you're doing uh, one of the things that you could do is called uh, tax loss harvesting. So in your investments, if you have positions that are uh, down for the year, 
which again depends on what you've been investing in. But uh, mm-hmm. they, some people are going to find that uh, they they have losses in their portfolios on certain positions. Now this would only apply, and this is a little technical, but it's only only going to apply to accounts that are sort of non-retirement accounts, not your IRA, not your Roth IRA. But if it's a joint account, a trust account, an individual account. If you have positions with losses, you could sell those positions, harvest that loss, and they call it tax loss harvesting because then you can use the losses that you harvested to offset future gains. Uh, I know it sounds a little bit complicated, but it is important when it comes to investing. And that's one of the things that we do for our clients. And not everybody's doing that. But moving into next year, people have a lot of concerns, Kristen, because frankly, the current administration is threatening to raise taxes mm-hmm. on all of us next year. And we don't know and, all the details yet of the when and the how. And Yeah, we don't know the details. And so I, I, I do get the question quite a bit. Well, hey, listen, uh, you, you brought up Roth uh, conversions. So for our listeners who don't know, that's the process of, let's say you've got an IRA account or a 401k account. It's money that you haven't paid tax on yet. There's no limit to the amount that you can convert to a Roth. It's just that you have to pay tax on that amount. So let's say that you had a half a million dollars in your 401k account and you wanted to convert $100,000 of it. You could do that. There's no limitation, but you would then have an additional $100,000 of income this year if you converted it. So the question becomes, well, does it make sense for you to do the conversion? A lot of people are looking at doing that because they're assuming that tax rates and and the assumption, I think, is probably valid, given Mm -hmm. what Biden's been talking about. Um, But the assumption is that you're going to pay less in tax to convert this year than if you convert it next year if they raise taxes. That's something that I think people should take a look at and consider whether or not it's right for them. But, Kristen, I don't like this blanket approach where people just assume or advertisers assume that it's right for everyone. Not everybody is going to pay higher taxes in the future. The taxes that you pay in the future are going to depend on your income. And the administration has been very specific on targeting individuals at very, very high income levels. And those are the ones that they're saying, again, it probably trickles down a little bit differently, but they're saying are going to be targeted. So in retirement, let's say, I mean, a lot of people have a significant amount of wealth in retirement, but their expenses aren't very high. So their income doesn't have to be particularly high. And if your income isn't particularly high, maybe it doesn't matter whether or not the money is in an IRA account or a Roth IRA. Maybe paying taxes ahead of time doesn't make sense in your situation. So it's very specific for everyone. And that's why, regardless of where you're at, you want to make sure you have a plan. And the reason that we do analysis and we do the complete financial plan for individuals is just helping people understand what's going to be best for them, because that might not be the same thing that's best for your neighbor. This is Guarding Your Nest Egg with Mike Lester. Catch up and interact with the show anytime at guardingyournestegg.com. Mike Lester is a registered representative of and offers securities through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Advisors. Talent Wealth Management and Retirement Wealth Advisors are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Mike Lester is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, Incorporated, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Talent Wealth Management, Retirement Wealth Advisors, and this radio station are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation.
recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer to only fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by Retirement Wealth Advisors. Florida license number D056341. California license number 0N00828. Fiduciary duty extends solely to investment advisory advice and does not extend to other activities such as insurance or broker dealer services. Advisory clients are charged a monthly fee for assets under management while insurance products pay a commission, which may result in a conflict of interest regarding compensation.